Well, I think remixing is very, very advanced and probably most appropriate to those consumer brands that are already doing everything we're talking about today and are looking for new opportunities to engage with, especially younger audiences that are consuming a lot of that type of TikTok slash Instagram real content. I think user-generated content although it's been around a long time, I think is extremely underutilized by companies. And I think just through the process of not just finding user-generated content from your own brand, using tools like TalkWalker, especially visual recognition technology that TalkWalker has, but the process of actually reaching out to those people that are talking about you and developing a relationship from there can have incredible effective results for companies, not just for the art of sourcing user-generated content, but in terms of a greater brand ambassador slash influencer marketing strategy. Welcome to the Earned Media Podcast. My name is Eric Schwartzman. And I'm a digital marketing consultant in Santa Monica, California. Today, we have an expert panel of social media influencers to discuss the TalkWalker 2021 Social Media Trends Report, which predicts the top 10 social media marketing trends for 2021. Uh, if you don't have it already, you can download it at ericschwartzman.com forward slash TalkWalker. And I'll go ahead and just put that in the chat so that you have that. Here we go. Um, the report published by TalkWalker, uh, which if you, if you don't know, it is a very powerful social media analytics platform, predicts the top social media trends for 2021. And we're gonna discuss them today with our expert panel of social media influencers starting with uh, Jenny Dietrich, the founder of Spin Socks. She's the creator of the Peso model and has crafted a certification course around it in partnership with Syracuse University. She's also co-author of Marketing in the Round and co-host of Inside PR and the Agency Leadership Podcast. We're also joined by Christina Garnett. Uh, she works with Fortune 500 brands on digital strategy, uh, through inbound marketing and audience intelligence, uh, she creates strategy playbooks and visual intelligence reports to help clients produce content that resonates with their audiences. And last but not least, we have Neil Schaefer, who helps businesses max maximize the effectiveness of their social outreach. Um, he is a speaker, an author, a trainer, and a consultant uh, from Fortune 50 brands to Grammy award-winning artists. Neil elevates social media marketing programs, and his fourth and latest book, The Age of Influence, was published earlier this year by HarperCollins. Uh, Ginny, Christina, Anil, welcome so much to the Earn Media Podcast. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, indeed, oh. thank you. So, I, so would, I would just like to say one thing yeah. that somebody else has pointed out in the chat, Please. the I Want to Believe poster behind Neil. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. People say, still <laughs> say, Top yeah. Walker 2021 Social Media Trends <laughs> Report takes top trends from experts, including all of you on the panel, uh, and surveyed them against consumers to rate how they'll impact brands at the ground level. Uh, so the 10 trends in the report are ranked by what consumers think will be least and most impactful next year. And we're going to go through them starting at trend number 10 and work backwards 
uh, with our expert panel today. And trend number 10 is user-generated content. Now, user-generated content is nothing new, but the way it's created, sourced, and shared is changing. Remixing is on the rise, thanks to apps like TikTok, Koji, and Instagram Reels. Remixing is the art of taking existing formats, templates, and ideas and recreating them to express a user's own personality. So I'd like to start with, let's start with you, Neil. What are your thoughts on remixing as a social media marketing strategy? Well, I think remixing is very, very advanced and probably most appropriate to those consumer brands that are already doing everything we're talking about today and are looking for new opportunities to engage with, especially younger audiences that are consuming a lot of that type of TikTok slash Instagram real content. I think user-generated content, although it's been around a long time, I think is extremely underutilized by companies. And I think just through the process of not just finding user-generated content from your own brand, using tools like TalkWalker, especially visual recognition technology that TalkWalker has, but the process of actually reaching out to those people that are talking about you and developing a relationship from there, I think uh, can have an incredible, uh, you know, effective results for companies, not just for the art of sourcing user-generated content, but in terms of a, a brand or a greater brand ambassador slash influencer marketing strategy. So that's my one big, uh, you know, big takeaway. I think if you want to get into the TikTok slash Instagram real space, the quickest way to do it really is to uh, find content creators uh, in your niche, align with your brand, hopefully your customers, and work together with them. Christina? Yes, I completely agree with what Neil said. It not only creates content for you, that's that's design money you don't need to spend, that's advertising you don't need to spend. But in addition to that, if you can find those core creators that are already talking to your audience, not only do you get to amplify them, but you're hugging them. You're saying, hey, I know you love my product and I want to share that that into an even bigger space. So you become this brand that's not only remixing content, you're becoming a brand that's amplifying its fans. That's priceless. I love that you're hugging your brand. How uh, you expect Mm -hmm. to see brands using remixing in 2021? You know, I... I, I think I agree with with both comments here, and I love the hugging hugging your users. Um, I do think, and and Rich brought this up in the the chat. There's a little bit of a challenge from two perspectives. One, are people pandering so that they get free stuff, or that you know? So how do we manage that? And there's also so much misinformation and harmful content and. I guess what we would, we could call bad actors out there who are who are using this kind of remixing to take a brand down, mm-hmm. not just you know. So there's certainly the good, right? But we also have to weigh the bad and how and also the middle, I guess, which would be the pandering. And those are the kinds of things we have to be thinking about as well. From the report, um, three tips: give your users the right assets to remix. Uh, monitor your brand logo so you can see where it's being remixed and engage with creators. Mm -hmm. Uh, The number nine trend uh, from the 2021 uh, TalkWalker Social Media Trends Report is the four C's of COVID content, community, contactless, cleanliness, and compassion. Uh, These are predicted to endure well after the discovery, distribution, and inoculation of our species once a vaccine is in place. Uh, So, I'd like to ask you guys, how do you expect brands to integrate the four C's into their content marketing next year? 
I can go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I would want to lead with community. Even though we're all stuck at home, we feel isolated, we feel separated from the people that we used to be able to see daily, whether that was our family, whether that was our friends, whether that was our coworkers. And so we're having to use technology in a different space in order to kind of find our people again. And so you're seeing this huge draw for community in bad and worse and in good. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing communities come together to champion causes. You're seeing Chef Jose Andres, who's using the community to showcase the power of food, the power of connection, the power of helping people that fosters hope. But you're also seeing Facebook groups and, and other channels where you have QAnon. We are all, for better or for worse, trying to find our people again, <laughs> knowing that knowing that technology is that conduit now. It's not... I open my door and I get to be around people. So community is huge and brands need to be able to tap into that in a very unique and genuine way. And that's going to be a big struggle because it's more than just asking a question on Twitter or saying, who do you like to connect with and asking for at handle like lists and stuff. It It's going to take long-term goals. And so a lot of the things that we're going to, a lot of the, what brands are doing this year, they're going to have to show their receipts next year. Because there's been a lot of promises made. Yeah. There's yeah. there's been a lot a really of point. Yep. there's been a lot of copy on square images this yep. year. Next year is about receipts. And I would add to that as well that the conversations are happening in and around the brand social media pages, whether you like it or, or not. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of brands are feeling very, and this, this is, I keep talking about how this has been the year of the chief communications officer. Like finally we get our, it's, we have our people. Finally, we get some respect because of everything that's happened. And we've had to really um, strengthen our, our muscle, our crisis communications muscle this year, all of us. Um, and, and because of that, everything's been in turmoil. And I think Christina, you're right that, that the right things have been said, but these conversations are happening and they're happening in and around the brand social media pages. And we, we have to pay attention. We have to engage. We have to hug the creators. We have to do these kinds of things and also understand that there's all this other bad stuff going on too. And how do we manage all of those kinds of things and going into next year? Takeaways from the report include being conscious of the ongoing pandemic, understanding where your brand sits within the crisis, and preparing for the next major issue. Now, trend number eight is memes. Now, memes are big among younger generations, with 55% of 13 to 15-year-olds sending memes out every week. So, Neil, what is memetic media, and how should brands use it in 2021? Yeah, this is not one of the 10 that I contributed an answer to in all <laughs> I was ready to go into the four C's of COVID there. Um, I'm sorry. But, you know, um, there, there are things, and I'll let the other, uh, uh, you know, I'll let Jeannie and uh, Christina respond in, in, in better uh, ways. But, you know, um, this is user, I mean, this is really user-generated content, right? And for to have a branded meme, um, is going to be very, very difficult, I believe, right? Um, yeah. Not going to be as authentic unless, once again, you find the content creators who are creating these memes and you find a unique way to collaborate, right? Yeah. Um, and I think not just, you know, memes, but things like Jiffy, right? Um, these are things where actually brands or people can create their own Jiffy channel, upload their own Jiffy assets. You can upload your own 
Instagram stickers as a brand so that when people do searches, they find your content. So, um, you know, memes, I think, take it to another level, but there are other ways of this sort of interactive type of content that people like to use in social media. There are ways for brands to to get involved uh, in a relatively low-risk way and maybe get a little bit more exposure. But the memes, I would literally find the content creators of those memes and, and, and find ways to collaborate. That would be my approach. I think, I think for me, what I love about memes is that it's, it's, it's a universal way of making light of something. A lot of the times that we're seeing memes, it's taking a very serious thing and it's, it's boiling it down into something that makes you laugh. The problem and piggybacking off of what Neil said is a lot of brands want to use it, but they also don't want to take themselves lightly. Like they, if you're a brand that's going to use a meme, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Because you are opening a yes. very big door. Like if you can't laugh at yourself as a brand, if you can't make light of things, yes. I would avoid it because that's what's going to come in. You have to be able to be like, that's hilarious. That's sarcastic. That's funny. And and also if that's not your brand voice already, it's going to be exceptionally jarring. And then the first thing you're going to see is that meme saying, how do you do kids? Like they will then weaponize the memes against you. So it has to be a good fit. But you have to make you have to be able to make fun of yourself as a brand if you're going to use that kind of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. And I think you're right. If you're not that kind of a brand, don't just stay away. Don't do it. <laughs> don't Recommendations do it. from the 2021 Talkwalker Social Media Trends report include uh, engaging with the meme community, sharing user-generated memes, and always being mindful of copyright law. Obviously, if you're a brand and you have something to lose and you infringe on a copyright, you could invoke a, a, a copyright infringement claim. So um, for those who are interested, I actually have a free course on social media and intellectual property rights that I just shared a link to in the chat. And you can check that out if you want to learn about sort of how to not invoke a, a copyright claim when you use social media. Um, so let's go to trend number seven. Um, it's easy to look back on 2019 and think how much better it was, right? The positive emotions connected with the good old days boost our current emotions. <laughs> and the appeal of nostalgia marketing is clear. It connects strong, positive emotions to your brand, and it gives a sentimentality boost, right? So during times of uncertainty and an economic downturn, as consumers look to connect with happier times, how can brands use Nostalgia marketing in 2021. Nostalgia marketing is the seventh trend from the report. I'm a child of the 80s. 2019 is not nostalgia. <laughs> Let's go back to bell bottoms from the 70s. Then we can talk nostalgia. <laughs> I think I think what would be really interesting is, and you say this a lot, we saw this when Halloween started. Like October 1st, everyone's talking about Hocus Pocus. It wasn't it wasn't the best Halloween movie from last year. It was when they were younger. What I would love to do is imagine the audience as a child and that child having a problem that's very similar to what your product or service answers. So you're not only answering the problem for the consumer, but you're answering the problem for that consumer's inner child. What do they want? Like example, fast. Fast is a great service. They're able to do like, like really quick one-click checkout. Imagine a child that wants everything quickly and fast is that answer that they didn't realize they wanted until they're an adult and now it's an option for them. 
some of the recommendations from the Talkwalker 2021 Social Media Trends Report are uh, engage influencers who have built communities focused on nostalgic elements. Um, embrace games, songs, designs, and retro flavors uh, to connect with uh, consumers. And also choose nostalgic topics based on your audience demographics. And obviously, you know, a tool like Talkwalker is going to help you do that. Um, so trend number six from the report, conversational marketing um, is a method of engaging customers through conversations, chatbots, social messaging, Zoom calls, Slack, and more. Building relationships through personalized one-on-one -on -one content encourages conversational marketing. How do you guys think brands will leverage conversational marketing next year? We're all afraid to talk over each other. Um, <clears throat> I think it goes back to what Christina was talking about with the COVID, the four C's, the community piece of it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if we're creating an opportunity to build community and conversation, then it allows us to have a better relationship, build trust, and build lifetime loyalty. And it's also integrated with, you know, what we were talking about in terms of we said all the right things. Now let's go do it and prove it. And that allows you that community and that early on conversation allows you to build that, uh, what would I call it? Like um, brand equity in case you do screw up or there is a misstep, but you've, you've used conversation and community to help you build equity so and invest in that so that when there is a screw up and there will be a screw up, you, you are safe because you're able to say, okay, that was a screw up. Let's fix it and move on. I think I think another option too. I, I agree with everything she said. I think another option, and I'm gonna say that there's a silver lining for COVID. I don't know how to say it other than that. <laughs> Before COVID, there's a lot of brands and a lot of small businesses who would create their content calendar. They would schedule it all up to go and then it would just hit and they would ignore it. And you can't do that in 2020 where there's like 20 Google alerts, 20 breaking news, like catastrophes happening. People have had to pay attention to their social channels this year more than they ever have. And so you're seeing a lot more conversational marketing because they literally have nothing else to push out. Everything that was in their content calendar that was planned is a dumpster fire now. And now they're like, so what are you doing on a Friday? And you're like, why are you talking to us like that? And it's because they can't use any of the other stuff they planned. So I'm hoping that a lot of the brands that are paying more attention now and are starting to see those things because they're in constant like crisis mode, that they're starting to realize that maybe we shouldn't just schedule everything and let it go out. Like stop being publishers, like just actually create content and have those conversations. And I would add to that too, that you there are brands that have not just scheduled content from an editorial perspective, but also scheduled content from we're closed, which in 2019, mm -hmm was very helpful to know, okay, I'm trying to reach this brand and I live halfway around the world and it's, you know, in the middle of the night. But when you have, so we saw this, <laughs> we saw this during the first presidential debate when Trump talked about the Proud Boys and everybody freaked out about brands that were quote unquote supporting the Proud Boys and they weren't supporting them. Like it was the website developer and it was the credit card processor and it was not, not brands that are actually supporting the group, but affiliated with. So that guilty by association. And there was one credit card processing company that they had their 
their scheduled tweets going out that said, we're closed right now. We'll be happy to help you in the morning. And it just kept happening over and over and over again. We can't have that. That does not work anymore. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. I want to, I want to look at this in a different way. Um, Really, you know, holistically, I think this speaks a lot to customer experience marketing, the customer experience, right? What is the conversation that you're having with your customers, with consumers how is it across all these different channels? So you have a chat bot, that's great. But then it says my waiting time is 30 minutes or uh, I email, I, I, you know, I email, I not email, but I, you know, I, I mention a big company on Twitter, um, you know, customer support issue and I don't get a response. I think there's a lot of fundamental things. I think companies and marketers really focus on the technology when people just want to be heard, they want to be responded to. And this is really what, you know, ever since the days of Radiant 6, I mean, you know, social listening and responding. And once you have that in place, really thinking about that user experience across all these platforms, and then when it makes sense to have a Facebook Messenger bot or to use technology like Drift on your website, it makes sense. But I think a lot of people run to the technology before looking at everything holistically and finding those gaps. And I would fix those gaps first before delving deeper into the technology behind conversational marketing. Radiant Sync 6, nostalgia. Yeah, there's nostalgia marketing. <laughs> there's nostalgia. <laughs> I think it was Q1 of this year. I was talking to... Um, one of the guys at Golan, and they actually had launched a business unit called CXPR. And it was basically a business unit that was designed to sort of have conversations on behalf of brands and sort of usher people through the sales funnel. And I thought it was quite novel. I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes. Three tips from the Talkwalker 2021 Social Media Trends Report around conversational marketing are this. Um, Look for conversation starter opportunities along the customer journey. Uh, Work closer with customer service um, to discover conversation opportunities. And, you know, it also suggests in the report, and this is quite novel, you know, can you get a hold of the actual rich text data from customer service and analyze it and maybe use that rich text to spot trending items or questions that customers tend to have so that you know what people want to talk about. I thought that was really smart. The internet is a crowded place and it's never been tougher to get uh, attention online. IPR software is a service that enables PR professionals to manage online newsrooms, content marketing websites, and digital asset management programs independently uh, with the best live customer support in the industry. IPR software is a full suite of tools for conducting digital outreach backed by the best customer support available. Get your own IP support staff uh, that can deliver on time and on budget. Uh, So as you look to next year and think about how you're going to improve your productivity and uh, get more attention online, particularly at a time uh, when trade shows and conferences are no longer an option for generating deal flow, check out IPR software at ericschwartzman.com forward slash IPR software. IPR software works with companies and budgets of all sizes and um, Earn Media Podcast listeners get the first month free at ericschwartzman.com forward slash IPR software. Now, the fifth trend in the Talkwalker 2021 Social Media Trends Report um, has to do with the the lockdown. As the COVID-19 lockdown took hold, people turned to video games as another form of distraction. Um, 
And all sorts of forms and groups have uh, arisen with and around games, creating entire communities dedicated to various fan bases. So what opportunities, if any, do you guys see around social gaming uh, for brands in 2021? Well, I know that's all my husband does, so. <laughs> you gamer? Are, you, are any of you guys gamers? No. My, hus- my husband and son are. <laughs> yeah, me and, me and my son are as well, so there you go. <laughs> what are you a gamer? What games do you play, Neil? I just play Class Royale. And I play because my son played it. So it's a that's awesome a bonding experience until he moved on to the next game and I didn't. So. <laughs> Does he play it in any social communities? Just with friends from school. So, you know, for me, you know, if you if you want to align your brand with a social game, that's a really huge statement. It, it's it, it's you know, it's a huge brand statement to make that says we're gonna work with Clash Royale gamers. Um, I don't know if it's really true to the brand. So that's really what I would take a step back and ask for brands that are considering that what are games out there? I mean, if all of your executive team play Clash Royale and it's one thing, but the message you send out to the public, and I'm sure Christina, Jeannie, you have a lot to say about this, you know, might be impactful in a positive or negative way. I've really enjoyed what Fortnite's done. I feel like Fortnite has been the one group that's really kind of showcased the power of gaming outside of that itself. Mm. You're having tons of promotions together where they've had, they've had live concerts where you actually have like the concert happening within the game that everyone's able to be invited into and is able to watch. They've had special promotions. They've worked with Marvel. They've worked with Star Wars to really kind of use Fortnite's audience as an amplification of their efforts. So instead of doing an ad here, that's the ad. That is, it's a living, breathing, playable ad. My husband right now is playing um, Valhalla from Assassin's Assassin's Creed Valhalla by Ubisoft, so. Oh, they might be friends. (laughs) In the same clan. In the same clan, but I'm sure they're. (laughs) They're both attacking England right now. and so there's there's opportunities there. My thing would be just like with everything else in marketing, it has to make sense. It has to be a good fit. Like if you had like a super modern, like a really cool thing that could work with Valhalla um, is especially with the Animus. So you have this like high tech background, but you're going into the Animus in order to go back into this like DNA sequencing. There's some really cool tech implications for like collaborations that you could do that would make that could make a lot of sense versus Fortnite where it's feels more open world. So you're able to do that. And, and there's also opportunities to do like positive good things. So for instance, with, um, I saw a couple people talking about um, Animal Crossing. Unilever actually created, it was Hellman's, which I'm a Unilever, but Hellman's actually had this program where you could donate your turnips and they would put that money aside and actually give it to like real life, like food pantries. Huh. It was such a really cool way to take a mechanic from the game, but pr- create positive good from it. It was it was very well done. Yeah, I want to add to that. Early days when we had a game called Farmville, mm-hmm. Farmers Insurance did a campaign <laughs> where they had the Farmers Insurance blimp protect your crops for 24 hours. That's a, Love it. That's a perfect fit, right? So if you have a perfect fit for these games, then go for it. But also remember... You know, Fortnite, we don't talk about Fortnite anymore, do we? Right? No. You know, yeah. Among us, or it it moves, you know, nostalgia. and you don't want to be right. You don't want to be part of nostalgia games because then you mm-hmm. look really out of tune, right? Yeah. So that's another thing. It's going to be a short-lived campaign, probably. Rest in peace. Barbie. I want to invite um, all of our uh guests to post questions in the QA. 
um, because we want to make sure we definitely uh, answer any questions that you have or talk about anything that you want us to talk about. So please take a moment if you have questions and get them in the Q&A um, as soon as possible, please. Um, some recommendations from the 2021 Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report around um, leveraging social gaming are uh, to increase your social listening capacity so that if people are talking about you in these communities, you're aware of it. Um, also, understand the unspoken rules and cultural norms of each community because things get done differently in different yeah. communities. And you don't want to show up like dad, you know, <laughs> and, and kill the vibe. You know what hey, I mean? Young kids. <laughs> I know. I believe me. I know how that works. You know, <laughs> get out of here. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, you know, participate. Don't solicit. Mm -hmm. You know, no one wants you to show up uh, there and 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 give them a two for one coupon. <laughs> they want you to, you know, give them a high five and 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 game with them. Um, so trend number four in 2021. If, may I interrupt? Walkers. I'm very sorry. I, Please. I double booked myself because I'm a moron and I have to skate. So oh. I need an assistant very badly. This is bad. So I'm very, very sorry. Are you taking resumes? Because <laughs> if anyone is on have the call you, looking for a do job. You want to, do you want the job, Eric? Uh, well, you know, uh, how much do you pay? You know, uh, <laughs> my daughter's looking for an interest. Oh, well, exactly. he's looking to pick up some extra, a few extra bucks. Sure. <laughs> so I'm very sorry. I'm very, very sorry. But I'm going to. Okay. Well, listen, thanks so much, Jenny. Yeah, you bet. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Trend Thank number you. four from the 2021 uh, Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report um, is old school marketing tactics. Uh, marketing tactics we previously saw disappear can suddenly reappear, uh, especially during times of uncertainty, with communications professionals reverting to tried and tested methods over more disruptive approaches. So uh, how are you guys seeing uh, clients revert back to old school tactics? And what are your predictions for old school tactics for 2021? Or I'll jump in then. <laughs> um, you know, we were, Eric, I mean, we were talking about this before this webinar started that I've seen a shift since coronavirus. I think companies have in many ways had to do a reset on their marketing, but also on their message, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, businesses exist to serve society. Something I've been, you know, I talked a lot about right after we began with coronavirus. And as part of that reset, well, how do we, how do we communicate, right? How do we communicate with people that are out there? And what are the properties that we own that allow us to do that? And, you know, with, with websites, you see a lot more customer education content or customer education events like webinars. Like all of a sudden, all this great content, where has it been all this time, right? Or the emails that were getting flooded, like why hasn't mm -hmm. this, I mean, one, I wrote back to the company, I subscribed a year ago and you're sending me a first email today. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you need to use what channels you have and it really does get down to the basics. And I think with social, and this is my own personal opinion, but it's just, you know, social really is pay to play. And, you know, when you, when you think about content investment and personnel investment in social, you begin to think, well, we need to be in social and there's a way to utilize user-generated content and to engage with influencers to help with that. But, you know, the content in social, the time we spend to make that perfect Instagram image or reel, it doesn't really have a long lifespan versus content for our blog has an extremely long lifespan. And then we look at, 
YouTube videos and we look at podcasts and we we know we you know we've seen a growth in podcasting. I would argue there's still plenty of opportunity for brands on YouTube as well. So you begin to look at all the different types of content and all the different ways you can engage. And when you do the reset, I do think you come back to the basics, which is wow, we have this amazing digital property called our website. There's so much more we can do with her. We have tens of thousands of paying customers. There's more convert, there's more ways we can help them, right? Mm-hmm. And social, you know, companies are probably already doing, they already have their editorial calendars up, they're already hopefully listening. Uh, but really the, the big impact they can have are where the delta deltas are, which I believe are the you know, website content, email, YouTube, podcast, and then influencers for social. Mm-hmm. Christina. I, I agree with all of that. Um, I think we're also going back to the Rolodex, but in this case, we're not talking about the Rolodex, we're talking about an email list. We are seeing such a resurgence in email, such a resurgence. Everyone is, we have we have major journalists leaving their jobs at some of the biggest newspapers in the world to create a Substack. We have Morning Brew getting acquired by Business Insider because that email list is gold. Mm-hmm. Social, we keep seeing all these changes, all these features. You don't know, you don't know if regulation is looming. We just had another testimony with Zuckerberg and with Jack. So there's so much uncertainty in social and it's it's tested now. We know what we can do, we know what we can't do, but we're going back to just like you said, we're going back to our owned content, we're going back to our website, we're going back to our email. And I think you're gonna continue to see that. And that being social is gonna go back to the supplement stuff. It's it's where we're publishing, it's where we're talking face to face. But when we actually want to be able to push that messaging, that's where we're going to be putting it. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be in our emails. Christine, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned Substack. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what it is, tell us about it. Okay. So imagine um, basically a newsletter equivalent to Patreon. So instead of just, you're able to do free versions and paid versions, but people are able to, depending on what you're offering, they can agree to be a part of that of that. Of, to basically subscribe. So instead of subscribing to the Wall Street Journal or subscribing to the New York Times, they're subscribing to you. And that could be for $0 a month, $5 a month, whatever. So you can do it for free, speak directly to your audience and build that newsletter list like Morning Brew does, or you can monetize it and do like $5, $10, $15. Yeah, Yeah, I'm hearing a lot about Substock. Neil? Yeah, no, I just wanted to add. So I've been talking a lot about, well, you know, obviously we're here today to talk about social media trends and there's still tremendous ROI from businesses to leverage social. But if we rethink the way we calculate that ROI instead of self-promotion of the brand in terms of the relationships that we create and the relationships that we foster, I see social media as being the most amazing marketplace for collaboration. Mm-hmm. Find your fans, find your customers, right. find, con- that's where you should be investing the time. And that's where I think you're going to see greater and greater, greater ROI over time as well. Mm-hmm. So social media is not dead for marketing. No. It's just, no. I think it's time to pivot. We're in the second decade of this with coronavirus even, even more. It's another impact of that is we need to be serving more, right? We need yes. to be more compassionate, getting back to one of the community, right? The four C's. So that I think is, is one of the big takeaways here. And I would recommend every brand listening to sort of rethink what they're doing in social today. Hey, incidentally, if you're interested um, in email, uh, I just published a email marketing best practices guide with Jay Swedelson, who's on the board at the uh, Direct Marketing Association and runs a company called World Data. And they have a really cool tool called subjectline.com. It's free and you can use it to score your subject lines before you put them into your uh, campaigns. And I did post a link to that to the show notes if you want to 
check out the email marketing guide. Some of the uh, recommendations from the 2021 Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report around uh, old school marketing are, in fact, email newsletter marketing, seeing a rise of those, rise of podcasting uh, as a growing communications channel, um, and um, also uh, monitoring spoken word mentions. Right. If you think about it, you know, we're starting to speak now more to computers. I also, um, on my sister podcast, the B2B Lead Gen podcast, we're going to be publishing a discussion with the head of growth from SEMrush talking about their latest survey on the state of voice search and how to optimize content for Alexa and Siri and Google Assistant. Uh, I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes as well. Let's talk about trend number three, okay? Trend number three is which social networks will dominate 2021? Will it be the big three or will there be new ones that rise up into the fray? Um, what are your guys' thoughts? I think TikTok is going to continue to be a major player in the space. Reels is not really competing with it yet, even though Facebook is doing everything it can to position it in such a way so that it's it's drawing the views. But there's a there's a core creation there on TikTok, and I continue to see TikTok taking measures to embrace that community. They're they're sending they're sending gift bags. They're 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 celebrating those people. They're giving them opportunities to shine and they're highlighting them. I follow some of the TikTok um, staff on Twitter and they're constantly showcasing and being proud of creators. I think that I think that core thing that TikTok is doing is what's missing from Facebook and what's missing from what they're doing with Instagram is they're positioning things in such a way that it's not a celebration of the creators. It's a celebration of ad revenue. So for instance, the Instagram shift it is not a coincidence that they put the shopping feature where your notifications used to be. You have those big dopamine dumps, positive chemicals in your brain every time you see that someone liked your stuff and now it's taking you to a marketplace. That is not a coincidence. It's not. And so Facebook's huge. Their family of products are huge. People are continuing to use them. So I don't, they're not going to go away. They're not going to magically poof. But I, what I do think you're going to see is you're going to see more and more people being actively open about the problems with what's happening with Facebook and Instagram and, and how that's changing things. And I think that my biggest, my biggest takeaway, especially since fleets started yesterday was officially launched is that I think a really big question for me is has social, has the social media platforms that we have, have they hit peak innovation? because we are all copying each other now. And I, I get dominant design. I understand how it works, but you also need a strategic advantage and how you're different is that strategic advantage. So if we're all the same features, but we're just calling them different things, you're not different. And so what's gonna happen is you're gonna have people shift into, well, if y'all look the same, then I'm gonna pick my one channel and, and that we're gonna have to deal with that. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Christine was saying. I think, you know, just to, you know, I don't think, first of all, we're going to see any brand new networks emerge and become one of the top five or six. But I do think it's pretty clear if I was talking to a brand that wanted to invest in the American market, okay, B2C, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are the gorillas, right? Mm -hmm. B2B, LinkedIn is the gorilla. That's probably not going to change. And if you want to target a more millennial demographic, probably Instagram and older demographic, Facebook, right? B2B, it's LinkedIn. You have Twitter, 
which is very interesting. Twitter probably has half of the number of active monthly users that the other big three networks have. Still a, a major player, I'd say more so for B2B, but we've seen B2C brands be extremely successful there. Then you get to things like Pinterest, which I think are still relevant. They're, they're mm-hmm. booming right now. Yeah. You know, 80% female demographic, a lot of e-commerce, you know. Uh, 20, great SEO, great SEO with Pinterest. Yeah, 20 to 50 demographic female. So if that's your demographic, great. And then you get to, you know, I see Snapchat and TikTok, you know, at the beginning competing for the same audience. And now TikTok has obviously gone beyond what Snapchat has done. I think there's probably more users. We don't even talk about Snapchat. TikTok obviously skews more to the younger. So if the Instagram demographic isn't young enough, go for TikTok. But TikTok creates this challenge for brands, which is the content. It's really hard. It's the reason why influencers are people, not brands on these new visual networks, right? So, you know, if I was a brand wanting to get into TikTok, that's where I would look at influencer, not to flog a dead horse here, but influencer collaborations. But I think it's pretty clear for 2021 where your audience is and what Mm -hmm. type of industry you're in is going to determine what network. And I would stay to that formula. I don't don't see it changing significantly. I do think... We're going to see some Instagram TikTok battle there. It'll be mm-hmm. really interesting to see who gets what audience. But, you know, the general rule, millennial Instagram, you know, teenager TikTok, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to change significantly. That's interesting. Maybe I need to sell my Snapchat stock. I actually thought that when you were saying that. Um, interesting um, uh, uh, passage from the report from David Merman Scott on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the author of New Rules uh, for PR, which is really... He also did Phenocracy. Yeah, his new book, yeah. Yeah, I love love his new book, yeah. And he says, I see a coming backlash to racial and other bias in marketing unwittingly introduced by AI algorithms and the polarizing AI algorithms used by the social networking companies to slice people into groups so that they can only see one side of an issue. Mm. Of course, you know, the popularity of this Netflix film, The Social Dilemma, where it talks about how um, showing people different sides of the same issue and isolating Mm. them from the other person's point of view has created more polarity Mm -hmm. in the political environment. Um, as well. Uh, So in terms of the um, recommendations from the report, um, the Talkwalk report recommends, you know, don't let the headlines that you're seeing in the news necessarily overshadow the, the, or or be a representation of what most people are doing in social media. Because Mm -hmm. just because the news is covering it doesn't mean that's how most people are actually using Facebook or, or, or TikTok or Twitter. Um, so in many cases, you might take that with a grain of salt, but figure out which channels your customers are active on and, you know, spend your time on those. And of course, you do that by listening to the social media, uh, uh, you know, airways and figuring out where they are, uh, where they're having buyer-oriented conversations that result in purchase decisions. And then last but not least, you know, take advantage of new features on the platforms as they arise. As you know, you know, they're always launching these new features. So as they launch the new features, stay on your toes and use them as they go. But um, they basically say, uh, the prediction is, expect the major social networks of today to be the major social networks of mm-hmm. next year. Um, don't yeah. expect anyone to be displaced at this point. Yeah. Well, um, I think you can. I think you can look at that with Parler. There's a lot of people who left who left Facebook and Twitter, and then left Parler. But those people are going to realize very quickly there's no one to fight with. 
you're, it's a, it's, it's the most echo chamber of, of all the things so far. So they'll get there and then they realize they can't fight with anybody and there's no drama and there's no excitement. So then they leave. Uh, trend number f- uh, two from the report um, has to do with, uh, you know, the rise of digital disinformation, which is a nice segue for what we're talking about. So we're facing an uncertain future as a hotbed of misinformation, false stories, conspiracy theories, and other lies threaten to dictate life-changing decisions. How will the rise of disinformation impact brands in 2021? Well, we're, we're already seeing it. There's, we've had brands, and I've been on this where I've had to work this, where the wrong person drops the name of your brand in a tweet, and it's the rest of your week is cleaning up a mess that you had nothing to do with. Because just because that person used your brand, even if it wasn't as an example, it wasn't even something that you were doing. So a lot of the, a lot of it's going to go down to the social media platforms to decide what qualifies for these these little disclaimers and what does that need to look like? And what is the time frame for that? I've, I've watched a lot of the testimonials and I, I don't, I, I think it was a lot of, I think it was a lot of um, a, a theater of political theater, but at the end of the day, the one thing is very clear is that terms of service are too drawn out. They're not clear. And there's not a clear indication that some, that we are all facing them the same way. So for brands, there needs to be an understanding that on certain social platforms, certain social platforms tend to be a, a lot more reactive to misinformation than others. And that goes with organic or paid. When you have political ads allowed on Facebook and they've decided what can and cannot be allowed, that dictates what that narrative looks like. And if your brand is associated with it or if it touches on it. What I think, honestly, what brands need to look at is when we're talking about like UGC or other things is I think they need to be very careful about who they're engaging with. I'm a big fan of social listening. I'm a big fan of, of, of celebrating your fans. But before you jump into somebody's Twitter or DMs or anything and offer them something, check out their profile and see what else they're talking about. Look at their replies. You don't want to celebrate someone and then it turns out that they're spewing hatred and they're using vulgarities and profanity and they're racist and they're homophobic and they're like... Their feet, the rest of their feed, when they're not loving you, the rest of their feed is hatred. You need to be careful and look back and, and take a look at that stuff. So brands need to be very careful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome advice. You know, I think that negative PR has always existed. Social media has helped amplify that. That's why we got into social listening in the first place. Yep. And, um, you know, I think with misinformation, if somebody wants to do something targeted against your brand, it's easier for them to do that with technology and it's easier for more people to actually believe it as we've seen with various things over the past few years. So, you know, it it leads me back to an experience I had with a client that saw me speak at just a social media marketing conference. And and they said, we want help with reputation management, uh, emergency crisis management. And this was actually a public utility company, but they didn't have a crisis, but they wanted to prepare for a crisis. And my answer then, as I say now, is build a strong community, build raving fans that would come to your rescue, that if someone on a social channel would spew something that was completely misinformation, that they would actually you know, get that content down, talk about it, um, talk you up. And I think just building positive goodwill 
is the best way to deal with that in all honesty. And, and I think, you know, going back to the negative PR, I mean, I have a client and they, uh, they are a cosmetics brand. And if you do a search for, you know, a certain type of thing that might happen, if you don't read the instructions, you use the cosmetics the wrong way, you might get like an allergic reaction. So there are law firms that will, that have created content. They've created blog posts, YouTube videos, and pay-per-click campaigns that just trawl looking for people that had that, you know, uh, reaction and trying to do a class action lawsuit. So that's, that's just a part of the digital age we live in today, but it gets a little bit more dangerous. So in addition to, uh, you know, building this positive goodwill with the community and social media is the best place to do that. It's also making sure that the information about your product, if there are any disclaimers, if there are any potential dangers that you are going out of your way to educate everybody, not just your community, but, you know, on your website, in your emails, on your packaging, because the risks I think are, are just greater and greater. You know, I had a really interesting conversation with this guy based in France, Jason uh, Barnard. The branded SEO guy, yeah. Seven years, he's been researching what he calls brand SERPs. And what he basically says is, you know, we spend all this time search optimizing our website to come up against unbranded terms so we can try to get on someone's radar and try to sell them something. But we don't really spend enough time searching our own brand name and seeing what comes up. He says, most people search their own brand name and they just want to know that they're first. And if they're first, that's enough and they're done. But if you think about it, you know, if negative review sites come up, you know, if you got a G2, uh, negative listings of your SaaS company, something like that coming up or Glassdoor coming up or Mm -hmm. Yelp coming up, any of those, you know, those can really damage your reputation. And so he actually specializes in helping brands manage their brand search results. And I had an amazing discussion with him uh, for the podcast. And I'm posting a link in the search if anyone was interesting. I would definitely recommend it. From the uh, 2021 Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report, the recommendations on, uh, you know, dealing with the rise of digital disinformation are, you know, to acknowledge the good and the bad. Because if you don't acknowledge the bad, someone else will. And at least if you acknowledge the bad, you have a seat at the table and you can get your point of view across to someone who's searching for bad information. If you ignore that bad information, then you surrender your seat at that table. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was Mike Dell who years ago said, I'd rather serve milk and cookies in my own living room than someone else's. Um, The second uh, piece of advice from the report is to make sure your online presence is secure. I mean, obviously, you can never be 100% secure nowadays, as we as we see, you know, but um, you definitely want to, now's the time, if you haven't already, to take a moment to make sure that you're, you know, you're not going to be easily hacked. And then third is obviously monitor the social web more broadly than ever before. If you're just monitoring your name, not good enough. You need to monitor the category in which you compete. You need to know what keywords people associate with that category and keep your eye on what they're saying. Okay, so the number one trend for 2021 from the Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report is, drum roll please, socially conscious audiences. And, 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 and what they say is, you know, in the old days, we didn't talk about mental health. We didn't talk about racial in, uh, systemic injustice. We didn't talk about racism. Those were taboo topics for marketers. We steered clear of that. I remember my first job in PR was don't, you know, if it's politics 
or if it's it has to do with religion, or if it has to do with uh, you know violence or something like that, don't represent that client because it'll kill your entire business. But what we're basically hearing is people want to engage about social yeah. issues, and they want brands to take a stand in social issues. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk to us about like some of the clients you're working with. Are you uh, educating them or pushing them to take a stand on social issues, and how's that going? Are they resistant? Are they going with it? What What are you finding? I can go with one of mine. Um, I had a client when I was at, I was in an agency earlier in the year and Black Lives Matter came forward and they were wondering whether or not they should say something. It was early days. A lot of people weren't saying anything. And the thing is that it's very easy to say you have a great culture. It's very easy to say you're purpose driven. It's one thing to actually be those things. And so I talked to them and said, let's, let's talk about this. If this is important for you, then you need to make the statement, not because everyone else is doing it. It needs to be something that you truly believe in. Your employees see that too. And then here's what you're going to do about it. It needs to be more than a statement. And we've seen this with multiple things. We've seen this with, are you donating during COVID? Are you helping specific groups? Are you handling the mental illness and the stress and the burnout of your employees? Because we've seen a lot of businesses get into a lot of trouble because they're, they'll say something on Twitter and be like, see, I'm done. Look, we did awesome. But then they're not taking care of their employees or they're making it very clear that they're, they don't want their employees to speak up for things. I think it was Coinbase. I'm pretty sure it was Coinbase. Lost quite a lot of their staff because they basically told them, we don't want you to say anything about Black Lives Matter. You're not allowed to say anything. And so a lot of the employees left like high up all the way down. And so the thing is, is that we can all buy online. We all, we, there's no, there's no shortage of brands for us to work with and for us to purchase from. So if we want a relationship with you, we want to make sure that you're aligned with our values because otherwise it feels like we're giving money to somebody who goes against what we believe in. So that's why it's, it's a very touchy subject, but it needs to be genuine. So that's why I talked about earlier with receipts A statement isn't enough. What are you actually doing to make things better? What are you doing to make the world a better place? What are you doing to minimize violence? What are you doing to minimize hatred? What are you doing to educate others or helping helping groups that are disenfranchised? We want to know that our money is being put towards people who are fighting the fight that we feel like we're a part of. Neil, um, Chip Griffin writes in the chat, People don't want brands to take a position on political social issues. They want brands to take their position. It's an important distinction that brands need to consider before they speak out. What's your thought on that? What's your thought on drawing a line and saying, this is our, this is our side. Yeah. So I, you know, I published the age of influence March 17th and the next week I was interviewed on a serious XM pretty famous radio show business podcast with with Wharton uh you know school of business of pen and uh the the host is like hey we're going to get started in a minute by the way we're getting a lot of questions about black lives matter can I ask you about it and this is what happens right you know it's like what mike tyson said everything smells like roses until you open up your door and someone punches you in the face um yeah. these things happen and you can't control social movements, but they're, if they are important to an audience that you serve, i.e. if those things are important to your community, you almost have to 
have a voice. You have to take a stand uh, because if not, people are going to take a stand for you and that could go good or that could go bad. I had one client, one of their primary markets is the, the you know, African-American community here in the United States and they had to take a stand. And now they're thinking about redoing the packaging, uh, rebranding names like we've seen other big brands do. So it's another sort of reset moment. We had one with COVID um, and with Black Lives Matter, I think we had another one. And you're right, it, you have to take their position. I think, you know, what's interesting and maybe Christina, you're more of a millennial, me and Jeannie are more of Gen Xers and maybe, you know, you yourself, Eric, not, don't want to age everybody here. Um, but, but one thing it said that millennials bring is-, is I'm, I'm the guy wearing the tie. So if the cops go up, <laughs> I'll do the talking, okay? But if there's one thing that I think the millennial generation has brought to marketing is that people want to buy from products and services that they feel not yes. only that they're fighting the same battle, but it relate. I, I say relatability and it comes mm-hmm. to personal brands as well. How relatable. That's why you need to show your personal self. That's why mm-hmm. brands need to show their personal selves as well. And that relatability is really, really important because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it may come to a point, there is a tipping point where if you don't stand up or say something, um, you might lose business. And I think, yeah. Christine, you made a, a, you know, a great example. Uh, so, you know, do you serve that community? And if you don't serve that community, it's one thing, but considering, you know, a good percentage of, uh, of, of population, any urban area in the United States is of that community, you sort of have to speak out. And it doesn't, you know, I've seen like with LGBT, I've seen like, you know, LinkedIn, they created a mm-hmm. rainbow icon for their logo. We see mm-hmm. a lot of companies do that. It doesn't, you don't have to send an email to everyone yeah. necessarily. Um, you can take it little by little um, and the great thing is we've already seen a lot of brands do this. There's a lot of inspiration you can take, but as, as Christine said, it has to be true to your brand. You can, mm-hmm. It can't just be like a me too thing. Uh, yeah. It has to be what your brand is about and that you feel so strongly behind what you're saying that even if those customers, you know, you're, you're making 50% happy, 25% don't care, 25% maybe against you that you're not afraid to lose that business because you know mm-hmm. what you're doing is right. And it's for the future benefit of not only your business, but more importantly, your, the community of the people you serve. 100% well said. From the 2021 Talkwalker Social Media Trends Report around connecting with socially conscious consumers, consumers are connect with your audience on issues that matter to them, not you. Uh, get better at cause-related marketing and monitor the response and sentiment and course correct over time and as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're not listening to the feedback, uh, you could wind up in hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more we could talk about, uh, but we are out of time. Uh, I'm sorry we haven't had time for questions. There was so much to talk about with the report. I hope you'll take the time to download the report at ericschwartzman.com forward slash talkwalker. Um, you have been participating in an episode, a recording of the Earned Media Hour. And uh, this is also a podcast. So if you signed up uh, to attend this event here, you're not subscribed to the podcast. I just put a link in the chat where you can subscribe to the podcast. And I want to invite you all to join us for the next episode where we'll be talking to Dean Takahashi. He's a lead writer for GameSpeed Adventure Beat. He's been a tech journalist for more than 28 years. He's covered games for 21 years, and he's been at VentureBeat since 20, uh, since 2008. He's a great guy. I'm really looking forward to introducing him to you. So I hope you'll join us for that. Um, I want to thank our guests. Uh, I want to thank, uh, thank Jenny in, in absence. I want to thank Christina. I want to thank Neil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for the invite. tell us quickly, if people want to get a hold of you or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? 
You can search for me on LinkedIn at Christina Garnett, or you can find me on social at that Christina G across all channels. I am Neil Schaefer. That's the real Neil, N-E-A-L. And there's a few of us Schaefer's out there. So it's S-C-H-F-F-E-R. Uh, Neil Schaefer on social, neilschaefer.com. Uh, I also have a podcast for those listening called the Maximize Your Social Influence Podcast. And my book is called The Age of Influence. Awesome. And we'll have those links in the show notes to this episode as well. I want to thank our sponsors, Talkwalker and iPress Room. And I want to wish all of you a very happy holiday season. Uh, this is Eric Schwartzman with the uh, Earned Media Podcast, signing out. <laughs>